0: Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are Power for Impact. Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 5 Through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Whether you're a priest leading in a parish setting or a lay Christian running a company, our right relationship with God and others is a gift given through the Holy Spirit to those who eagerly await for it through faith. But what does that mean? How is it that it's lived out in practical ways, and how do you and I cooperate? I'm your host, Ron Huntley, and today's guest is Deacon Keith Strome, Executive Director of M3 Ministries. Much of the Divine Renovation community will remember Deacon Keith as the gifted speaker who closed out the Divine Renovation Conference in 2018. Deacon Keith is both passionate and gifted at helping leaders set the stage to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I trust you will both learn and be inspired.
1: Lift off, and the clock has started.
0: Deacon Keith Strome,
1: it is a joy to be together today. I really appreciate the invitation to come on. I always love our conversations, and this time we get to be just very focused. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm always elevated and lifted up by those as well. As we're recording
0: this, I, it's the new year. It's still yeah. January in 2021. And I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I love new seasons. And I'm just wondering, what's your hopes, what's your dream for 2021 in your ministry specifically? I know you'd like to COVID to be
1: over as quick as yes. I would, but beyond that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, I think we have so many similarities in our personalities. I've always loved new beginnings, new years, new school years. Uh, the beginning of this year, I, I wrote out a, a kind of a giant goal list. Uh, hopes and dreams. Like I do that every year. Do you? Um, so, you know, for me, it, it's about this year in particular, this past year with COVID, uh, it was more difficult, I think, to uh, connect with people. Uh, we did it virtually, and, and I think, uh, God moved through those, you know, those encounters. But my hope is really to help as many, not just individuals as possible encounter the Lord, um, but, uh, parish leaders to really have a sense just the catch of an evangelizing and a missionary vision. Mm. Right. So for me, that is like, if I could double the the amount of leaders this year that I can connect with and just, and, and help them, help them envision in a way that lets them catch fire, but then makes them essentially like uh, uh, what's the word uh, like, I don't know, Tinder. Right. So that, so that it, they set other people on fire. For sure. I love that. I love that. Well, you
0: know, some of you and and for our listeners, Keith Strom was, you were one of our speakers at the DR conference. Uh, And a lot of people, that was their first introduction to you. And I think a lot of them were like, whoa. (laughs) And I think that led to you speaking in some of the churches that were there represented at the Divine Renovation Conference. That excites me to no end because you have a gift. God's Blessed you with an openness to the Holy Spirit and in a way that you can really bring the Holy Spirit to others in a way that makes sense and can be actioned. How, oh, how yeah, it's yeah, I could go tell stories for days about just the limited amount of time we've actually been in the same place at the same time. But talk to me a little bit about setting the stage to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because you really do that.
1: Well, I think first of all, you know the that dr I think it was dr eighteen that conference was uh, that blew my mind just being there um, and being with a, a bunch of other people who all share a, a similar passion um, and and literally I remember just in the conversations right before that session, my whole plan changed uh, uh, based on that conversation. You know, with with Father James and just a bunch of of leaders. In fact, I didn't know exactly what we were gonna. How we're going to do all of this until basically my mic was being put on about ten minutes before we started, right? so that that was about that was about just holding on to the Holy Spirit right there uh,
0: that's but, that's working with Father James and I
1: sometimes <laughs> yeah, and that's and that that works for me too um but what surprised me and I shouldn't surprise me was the obviously the goodness of god and 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit and how he 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 moved in the midst of that and and I think so when I think about kind of setting the stage to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I know Father James and you have talked about this before, but we often don't leave space for the Holy Spirit. You know, we, in, in, in some ways, I, in the parishes I've worked with, there's a lot of planning. There is actually a lot of planning, um, but it seems to be over, like over planning. So everything is scripted so tightly uh, and, and people create the plan and then they go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, will you bless this plan? As opposed to, okay, Lord, will you reveal to us together as a leadership team, as, a, as, as a, a group of pastoral leaders, what do you want us to do? What are you calling us to do? And so I think in terms of leadership, there's a, there's a reality that we don't leave space for the Holy Spirit. And, and certainly as Catholics, um, I like to say that for a supernaturally constituted community, right? Nobody is grafted into the body of Christ simply because they're born into the world. It, it takes the supernatural action of God and the sacraments of initiation, that for a supernaturally constituted people, we are almost the least supernaturally minded people that I know. Right. And so, and so, and so helping Catholics become comfortable with the person and presence of the Holy spirit. Yeah. So kind of those two facets is, is just so important because otherwise we try to muscle through this just on our own, like with our own human resources. And that never gets us far.
0: I remember years ago when we did our first conference at, that- year 16 conference and we had a day uh, after the conference was over for anyone who wanted to learn more about alpha and really dig into the nuts and bolts. We always love doing work with alpha. And it was the end of the day and we're having a question and answer period. And I'll never forget this lady uh, had a question and you could see her body language. She just let out this big sigh. Her shoulders fell forward and it was almost this resignation that, okay, I get it. There's something to this stuff. Like, it's like, okay, I'm convinced. But, and again, this is me reading into things. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then what she said next, I'll never forget. She said, okay, but is there any way we can do it without this Holy spirit stuff? And Keith, she wasn't saying it to be a smart Alex. She wasn't yep. saying, but it was just like anything but that, like, yep. like change lives. I get it culture of uh, of of invitation get it culture of leadership get it you're changing lives get it enthusiasm is growing i get it but do i really is there a way we can do it without the holy spirit and yeah. i just i just thought, i loved her question because it was honest yes and, and it, but it does speak to the fact that it's something in church leadership that we're often uncomfortable with how do you tackle that in your um in your M3 ministries and when you're working with pastors and churches, how, how does that even come up? How do you tackle it?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is first and foremost, trying to help them have an encounter with God in the uh, and through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, it's, it's just kind of setting that stage um, is because I think I think more than more than grounding stuff in in teaching for some people, um, it, it, it has to be experiential. I try to do both. So I I either prep, we might do a whole session on who the Holy Spirit is and, and go into church documents, you know, about the reality of the Holy Spirit and, and, and then kind of move into a prayer experience. Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, that's, uh, I think it's, it's essential. Um, Or I do it the other direction, right? And we do the prayer experience and then we, we, I I go, okay, all that stuff, you know, here, here's, here's what it is uh, in the church's life. But, the, I think the challenge is that the, the fundamental, I, I've been saying this a lot lately, the, 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 the fundamental drama at the heart of our faith is that what Jesus is by nature, he invites us to become through grace. Uh, and, and, through, and through, so what Jesus is by nature, right? Son of God, he invites us to become through grace. That's our identity as we take on the, the life of Christ. You know, Paul says, you were crucified with Christ. Right? You, you were buried with him in baptism so that you can uh, you know essentially be raised up in his new life, and that life comes through the Holy Spirit, the gift of his spirit. so so it's about our identity and and I think that's the challenge It's helping people discover who they are in Jesus, which means um, laying the foundation for the reality of of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. Right? That's yeah I love how you kind of break it down and help people be practical with it. I- Years
0: ago, when I was working um, at St. Benedict Parish and I was heading up connect groups, at one point I, I laid out a whole menu of possible areas we could dive into to help support these leaders to be better leaders. Yep. And the top two things they wanted to learn more about one of them was having crucial conversations, because that's yep. never easy when you're in leadership, so nor nope. is it fun, but yeah. and the other one was growing in their uh, comfort level and understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Right. Because if we're going to lead to your point in the church, we better become really good friends with the Holy Spirit in ways that can unleash people.
1: It, it is only through the, it's only through the presence of the Holy Spirit in the sense that the church can bear fruit, right? That's why the birthday of the church is Pentecost, right? and, and, I love this. I, actually, in just working with Father James, he said he just said something to me that blew my mind. And it was just recently. Uh, he, he said, you know, the fulfillment of Christmas is an Easter. Yes. Right? He said the fulfillment of Christmas is Pentecost, right? The incarnation God throws his lot in with humanity, right? He becomes one of us. But, but, but the Lord becomes one of us so that we can receive divine life, which comes to us in him, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so we've got to help people, right? So that they can understand uh, that the, the, again, the goal of the, this union with God, which is the goal of the spiritual life, is really yes. about becoming who we were created to be and who we have the capacity to become through baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, and then the rest of the, the sacramental, um, uh, I guess, I guess the word, the theological word would be sacramental economy, but the rest of the, the rest of the sacraments this life of grace and that all comes through the the reality of the holy spirit. Huh. You're such a good teacher. <laughs> it's great having you on today. I love no, listening to you. No, this is this is a passion. This is like if I if I had to say anything like like I, I always say this as you know as a as a deacon at the end of mass I usually um, give the dismissal, right? And and I always I only use one uh because you have four options. I only use one because Sometimes I my brain isn't so big, and I don't want to mess up, so I always use one. But I use the one that's "Go and announce the gospel of the Lord," right? right? And and which is the essential mission of the church. But like, kind of, I say those words, and what I'm really sort of also saying with my spirit is, "Wake up, dead people!" Right? Like, 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 come alive! It's it's and and so uh, and I think that's the reality of of the mission that I that I kind of uh, I feel like the Lord has given me both as a deacon but then in m3 ministries to work with parishes is to help people wake up to come alive to recognize who they are to proclaim to the church right the beauty of her identity mm-hmm. which i think which i think we have um either taken for granted or not recognized certainly not theologically right but in the way we live as church the way we live in parishes the way we live in dioceses to to help the church really recognize its identity and and that's deeply connected to the reality of the holy spirit.
0: I have a good friend of mine who's not from a catholic background and but he's certainly grown in his awareness of the catholic church and I asked him at one point I said what's preventing you from you know exploring becoming a catholic and I wasn't putting any pressure on I was just wondering yeah. and I loved his response he said I realize I don't really have any issues with catholic theology i struggle with how it's lived out Mm -hmm. in the church like it just like there seems to be a gap between what we believe and how we live yes in terms of the lived experience and so i think it's a combination isn't it of that of yes this is richness in teaching but then this lived reality sometimes it's that gap that and, you know, I'm a part of that gap. Like, I create that gap sometimes sure. and
1: by accident, but or just, yeah, I unintentionally,
0: think that, you know, for others.
1: I love that. that You know, I think Sherry Waddell in, in the book, Forming Intentional Disciples, talks about the, the gap between revelation, right? What the Lord has, has poured out on the earth in his son, Jesus. Mm. Uh, and the lived experience of Catholics, and and so I would say it's not even just church teaching, the richness of our teaching, but it's the richness of life in Christ, mm. right? Which is that 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 Christ has given us uh, uh, divine life, so that we can be made whole, so that we can be healed, so that we can be transformed. And and the reality is then the gap exists between that reality and and how we're experiencing it in the church mm. and how we're living it out in the church, and and so this I me parish renewal is about bridging that gap right it, it's a, it's about kind of what we've already received which is this richness of life in christ and helping people connect to it and live into it and surrender to it and and that again it requires the holy spirit and you mentioned it before this is where we are uncomfortable in some ways we are uncomfortable with divine life i mean i think we should be in one sense because it is divine and it's it's beyond us in many ways but also we're uncomfortable with it because it it, it's not easily controlled right we don't and and most catholics have been who've been catholic their whole life right like there's this is how you're catholic you come to mass you do this thing you do that you do that and then all of a sudden you got someone coming in and they're talking about oh the lord spoke to me this way and the lord and and people kind of begin to to back off and 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 i think for good or bad i mean the the church has received this tremendous gift in the latter half of the 20th century in kind of the charismatic renewal. Right. Uh, And, and I think this renewal was intended for the entire church. Uh, And I think what happened in many ways is that um, sort of pastors weren't ready to deal with it, didn't want to deal with it. And so it kind of was like, okay, the charismatic prayer group can meet in the basement. Uh, You can do your thing. Right. Just don't cause a stir. And I think that this stream, this, this river of grace just sort of went into these sort of little uh, side streams. Um, and it's been a tremendous blessing to the church. I meet leaders all the time who say they've come out of the renewal. But there's this idea that many Catholics have that kind of this life in the spirit is a sort of optional extra in the, in the Christian life. So, you know, I'm Franciscan in my spirituality. You're Ignatian in your spirituality. Oh, and, you're, you're, you know, you come from the charismatic renewal. You have that Holy Spirit stuff. But what I try to when I work with people, I have to kind of lay down th- this foundational piece, which is that that um, uh, the charismatic dimensions of life in Christ are non-negotiable, right? That they just are. If you are baptized, you are charismatic in the sense that the word charism means gift, and salvation is a gift, and you have received the the gifts of the Spirit. So this reality, it doesn't have to look like the renewal. You don't have to go to a prayer group on Friday night. You don't have to raise your hands when you when you pray. You don't you don't even have to pray in tongues or any of that stuff. But you can't not right have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? If you are living uh, a Christian life and if you are baptized, you already have that capacity for that relationship, and the Holy Spirit has been given to us in baptism, sealed in confirmation. So we we have to move to that place where we are comfortable with um, cooperating with this, um, divine, um, beyond us and yet totally given to us life, uh, mm. that comes to us in Jesus. I remember,
0: well, one of the, you, you might remember which Psalm says God inhabits the praise of his
1: people. Oh yeah. I don't and remember the exact Psalm, but I love that.
0: I know growing up, like we'd sing our hymns as part of our mass experience, but
1: I was never really,
0: I was not often in circles where praise was a thing. I didn't you know that i got exposed to it and i was really uncomfortable with it because it wasn't my experience yep and and the whole purpose of worship um is to get to a place of surrender it's re-surrendering our life to christ and i've i've come to experience over the years that praise is a really important part of doing that whether i want to whether i feel like doing it or not yep. is entering into praise now i also my morning prayer i i sit and, listen to perfect polyphony and, and reflect right. on scripture and uh, and just meditate on scripture or I listen to Gregorian chant and meditate on scripture and journal that's how I spend my mornings but I also see a place for praise and and when I think about communal like com- community the impact of the Holy Spirit in communities I just I don't I find that when it's corporate it, it has a transformational opportunity within cultures but if it always remains private like i do in my morning prayer right. that's more just for me what's your thoughts
1: i mean well, wow, you just laid it out i love the way you say that right when it's communal it changes culture it changes it changes the atmosphere right uh in in a community um yeah certainly those times of of private devotion and and private praise are are there for us to grow in our relationship with god but we're we're saved as a people first and then as individual members, right? Of, that's why Paul says, you, do you not know that you are the body of Christ and then individual members of that body. So our primary, our primary identity is communal in that sense. And so, and so when we come together, right? And, and this, this idea that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, it's not that God isn't there when we're not praising, but when we do praise, it's like we place ourselves in right relationship, right? We acknowledge our dependency and our need and therefore, the presence of God, who is present in the Blessed Sacrament, you know, in Catholic churches, right, Orthodox churches, right, It was present there, um, uh, we, we encounter that presence in a deeper way when we can enter into kind of that praise. And when we do it as a community, that shifts the, I guess you'd call it the spiritual atmosphere of a place, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, I think they called it like the Shekinah, the, the glory cloud, right? It was just like the presence of God just right um uh in the uh, in the holy of holies but then before that in the ark of the covenant right where he would just descend on the people and and so i i think it it is essential and and you can accomplish that in stages right you don't have to go right you know like if i can get practical for a second cuz for me i love all of this stuff but if it's if lives aren't being changed right by by jesus right it doesn't in a sense doesn't matter that we have perfect theology right Um, I mean, it does, but it it doesn't. It'd be helpful if it bore fruit. (laughs) That's exactly right. I think that's really, yes, it should bear fruit. So when I'm working with parishes, we've got to set the stage. So I've got to get them comfortable. Like there is a, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. So I say that in many Catholic parishes, there's a pneumophobia, right? There's There's a fear of the spirit. And we want to help people move to a pneumophilia, right? A love of the spirit. And I think there's a way to do that. Um, in, in gradually setting the stage, gradually walking with people, pushing them a little bit outside their comfort zone and not just throwing them into the deep end right away. When I was a youth minister, um, one of the things that we would do, because I believe that I, I looked at my own experiences of corporate praise and worship, right? Where, gosh, it seems like things were happening the more that this worship intensified is uh, the high point of our retreats would be obviously the mass and then we would do Eucharistic adoration. Um. And, I, and we had music. We used like praise and worship music. And there were moments of silence. And I said, after we, you know, we sing a song of praise to the Lord, uh, and there's this beginning moving into silence, if you're thankful to God for anything that happened on the retreat in your life, just say, thank you, Jesus. But say it out loud. Yes. Right? Say it out loud. And, and these are teens, right? They're all freaked out. So I literally just had them practice going around in their small group in a circle and just saying the name of Jesus out loud. Because, you know, in many ways, I kind of joke, um, if you've ever read the Harry Potter uh, series, Voldemort in in Harry Potter, they call him he who must not be named because if you name him, like he might show up. And I feel like in the Catholic church, we kind of have that reality. Like Jesus (laughs) is like Voldemort. So we don't like to say his name, his title, Christ, we'll talk about, but not his name. And so I just helped them very gradually. And then we just started. And then as they said, thank you, The spiritual climate of the room just shifted and they were moved into an encounter with Jesus in the blessed sacrament who was present all along, but they moved into a a different openness to that presence. Love that. Yeah. So just helping walk people step by step into that, I think is, (laughs) is super helpful.
0: And, and then, because I find as people have these experiences of the Holy Spirit, these experiences of praying out loud with others, again, I totally get it if you're listening to this going, I never want to do that. I just want you to know I felt the same way. Uh, it is, it feels scary, but I've never heard of anybody dying after they've tried it or even pulling any muscles. Yep. They're usually quite healthy after it's over. <laughs> That's good, yes. uh, but it does mean they have to confront their fear. But, sometimes we experience that like on retreats or on missions, but then we don't experience it in any other formats in the living out and the leading in the leadership and our engagement in local parishes, in which case it goes away. It becomes one of those things that we remember from years ago. It's not a lived reality that grows
1: with momentum. I think you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, um, it's It's really about entering into like making it become a lifestyle, right? It's like it's like anything else, um praying out loud, you know, here's the analogy I use. I'm afraid of height, right? i'm I'm definitely afraid of height. Like it's literally common. yeah, can't do, I can't really go. I can go up places, but if I'm up like above the third floor and I look out a window, I have to hold on to something. It's the whole thing. When I was growing up, I really wanted to jump off a diving board into a pool. But even the low diving board that's just about four feet above the pool was freaking me out. And I remember I finally got the courage to do it. I jumped on the diving board and I did it, right? Scared the heck out of me. But I was like, wow, that wasn't so bad. I survived. I want to do it again. And so I did it again and it still scared me, right? Mm-hmm. The second time, it was scary, right? I did it a third time. Now, by the third time, it was a little less scary. It was still scary, right? But I gradually was able to, just by repetition, right? Become used to that Now there's always a little bit of, okay, I'm a little high, but then I was able to go up to the next level of a diving board, right? I never got yes. above that level, but I went to the next level of a diving board. So for, for me, it's kind of repetition. And it's this is the beautiful thing. Like in community, a Christian community should be a place where people can try to live out the reality of the Christian life and and epically fail, like base plan, right? And just, and then the community could be like, that was an amazing try, right? You're totally. Out that Yeah. You missed that one, but that was great. And and we love you for, for trying and then lifting them up. And if we can build those kinds of, of communities, and I think you mentioned it, it sometimes starts with leadership, right? If, if you're in a leadership team meeting or a staff meeting, the staff should be praying with each other and for each other and and not simply just someone reads a prayer at the beginning, right? Or... I know sometimes it's a poem, right? And it's often copied on like uh, purple photocopy paper and very poetic and it, use, and it calls the Holy Spirit, you know, a oh, wind blowing breath of God. And, and honestly, there's- Father a, James loves that stuff. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's, that's a great place to start, <laughs> but it, it yeah. has to move. It has to move, I think a little bit beyond that if we want to create this culture of, yeah. of intentional prayer. And, and once a, a leadership team and begin to pray with each other then it becomes easy for them to pray with other people outside the leadership team and then it kind of just it kind of just spreads that way and and it doesn't have to be i love i don't know if this is an official alpha thing but i've heard just people from alpha talk about it when they talk about the holy spirit they talk about praying with other people it's like one of their big um their big uh, mantras i think is just don't be weird right <laughs> I, just, I think father james brought that to the <laughs> okay just don't yeah write. don't be just, just you don't, it doesn't, you don't have to. You don't have to just call out in a loud voice as, yeah. as you're invoking the Holy, like just pray. And, and here's the thing I, I tell people as we help them in this is that in one sense, as you're praying, God doesn't care about your theology, right? So it's not like the Lord is waiting to answer your prayer, but you didn't get the theological concept, right? Well, you confused essence and nature and therefore I can't pour out my grace on you. Right, and and so I just think just starting and nurturing that is so critical, right? If we want to change the culture and and setting the stage to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and you don't need the prayers don't have to be long. I've prayed with people like literally, I pray with people who've experienced deep healing, and the only word I got out in the prayer was Father, like literally one word, Father. The next thing I know, the Lord's doing something, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. It's so. (laughs) I think it's just having having that openness to being a channel of uh, of the Lord's goodness for other people in prayer. And once we do that, it begins to shift and change everything. I love that. I love that. So M3
0: Ministries, you're yep. the executive director. Tell our 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 listeners, what is it? How do they connect and what difference are you like how are you coming alongside of your
1: Yeah, I, I thank you for for mentioning that. Uh, the first thing is that people always confuse M3 Ministries with 3M. Uh, Which is this? They make tape and stuff. They make yeah, sticky notes, uh, whatever (laughs) that might be, right? So, which is good, I guess, because you know it's memorable. But you know, M3 Ministries stands for making, maturing, and missioning disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's which is which is the reality of the church's mission. It's the life of the church lived out. And so, what we try to do in M3 Ministries is come alongside um, parishes and you know dioceses and really help them shift their culture. We, we help them begin to see with kind of a missionary lens and we're really practical about, okay, how do, we move, how do we move this culture? How do we build this culture of evangelization and discipleship? And so we do things very similar, I think, in many ways to divine renovation in that, in that well, we offer kind of a range of pieces. Like we can do parish missions and evangelize events and evangelization training, but we also can sit long-term and walk with a parish I kind of coach into them, um, help them develop their their vision and mission, help them to put together uh, what DR would call the game plan, right? A, a discipleship pathway. And then we also form members of the community as missionary leaders, right? That's, that's an, another piece to it. Something that actually you and Father James said, which I, I loved and it challenged me initially, so I had to really think about this concept, is that, you know, don't wait everybody to be perfectly formed, right? To, to start. And I agree with that 100%, right? Um, uh, You know, the woman at the well, after she encountered Jesus, right? She, she wasn't a missionary disciple yet. Right. But she had an encounter with Jesus and she shared that encounter. And all of a sudden there was a great openness. The village came out to, to meet Jesus. Right. So uh, I say, don't worry about, don't wait till everything is, everyone is fully formed. But I think there's a difference, and this has helped me kind of understand this. There's a difference between missionary activity and missionary leadership or missionary discipleship. And so anybody who has an encounter with Jesus right, can engage in missionary activity because they are sharing the Jesus whom, they, whom they, they've fallen in love with or encountered. But a missionary disciple is someone who is intentional about investing in other people and understands the spiritual journey. Uh, and and so can kind of drill down and walk with somebody. So that's for me. Uh, and, and honestly, this came from kind of wrestling with those statements because I was like, wait a second, I, but this is what I do. I, I create I'm missionary leaders. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, that and so what M3 Ministries does is we help really ground people in missionary leadership and missionary discipleship so that they can invest in other people, right? Uh, and so we, we, I don't, parishes shouldn't wait until they have everybody fully missionary disciples to go do missionary activity but you're going to need disciples who are who can invest in other people and who can walk with them as they mature as disciples so yeah that's That's so so that's a lot of the work that we do at m3
0: i love how you differentiate between missionary activity or missionary disciples because you know you can do like his discipleship is lifelong Yes. there's a high level of commitment, but you can be missionary in activity for a week or a month. And we see that sometimes yeah, people get well, this incredible course. experience. They go in and invite some people and you never see them again.
1: It's like, where'd they go? <laughs> <laughs> but so but it's true. I mean, when people, look, when you encounter Jesus, right. And you're really open to that encounter. He is love, right. He, yeah. he is mercy. He is goodness. So if you're on fire, right. Then yeah, that fire is going to be passed on. But uh, what we need is we need, people who are mature disciples who can help people who have just been set on fire. Yeah. Right. And, and make that a really deep, um, I'm trying to use this, beat this analogy to the ground. Like there's this, <laughs> this deep uh, like a uh, bonfire, yeah. right. That, that lasts their whole life. And so uh, we need to do both, right. We need to, you need yes. to set people on fire and then you need to help people burn, you know, kind of burn with the love of Jesus the rest of their life.
0: I love that. Deacon Keith has also written three books and you're going to want to look them up and buy his books on Amazon. I constantly hear people speak back to me, your books, and they're, they love them. And you're also starting, a, you're also starting a podcast.
1: <laughs> Tell us I about am. You, that. You I inspired that. me, Ron. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I know I've, I've been wanting to do this for years. In fact, I, I've all, I've had the intro and the outro professionally done since 2016 like and, <laughs> and i haven't launched it yet since the I've dr been... conference <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's so so it's been a challenge for me but you really did you were one of the inspirations I'm like i'm doing it if ron's launching i'm launching um and so <laughs> Ron called, can do it.
0: anybody can do it I, I hear what you're saying i agree with you
1: <laughs> it's called transforming parishes transforming live um and it really focuses on the conversations that like we're having here how do you what what does it mean to renew a parish, right? How, how do you, what are the facets of renewing parish? And, and I'm, um, because the, the work of transforming parishes is really the work of transforming life, right? And that's the work yes. of renewing the church is the work of renewing lives in Jesus. So, uh, and so I'm very blessed to have um, a good friend of mine and colleague, Kristen Bird, who has her own incredible apostolate. Um, and I do a lot of ministry with her. She's a co-host and a friend of mine, Rachel Espinosa, who's, uh, working in a parish, Saint uh, Saint Clements, I think, in uh, in uh, Chicago, and she's doing incredible work. And so we're just we're, we're going to have conversations with our friends and our colleagues and our and people. And I think it's going to be amazing. Hopefully, the goal is the end of January. That's going to launch out. So. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: And so they could go. To, people can go to your website
1: and they go to, to m3catholic.com. There. Uh, and there's a link for podcast, and then there's a link for resources, and they can kind of drill down and, and kind of see what we're about a little bit more.
0: So I'm hoping by the time this podcast drops, they'll just be able to go straight over. Just to go right there, be, yes. <laughs> That's
1: good. In fact, in fact, I'm re- we're recording the second episode of the podcast tonight. Uh, oh, so, wonderful! So yeah, so I want to get three or four together, yes. and then launch with those three or four. So I'm I'm kind of on that on that journey now.
0: Well, I love that. I I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and respect you. I love what you're doing. I remember Father James saying years ago, he'd hoped that there would be so many St. Benedict parishes that St. Benedict would get lost in the crowd. Yeah. And then even as it came to the ministry itself, I remember him reaching out to uh, a well-known priest in the U.S. who, uh, and, and really, we started to try to build a relationship to encourage him to do something like Divine Renovation or something like M3 Ministries. And uh, and he has sense. And so there are a lot of people like us who are taking the gifts that God's given us and really laying them down in love and service to try to mobilize the church. And there's just so much opportunity. If every parish was a place of transformation, yep. the world would be a better place. And so... Deacon Keith, God bless you and the work you're doing. I'm going to have you on again. There are hundreds of topics that you and I can break open. And
1: I'm looking forward to that for sure.
0: Always inspired by you and, and your faithfulness and, and your teaching. You're a beautiful teacher. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: And that was my time with Deacon Keith. Be sure to check out the show notes and visit his website. There'll also be links there to his book. So consider picking one up. If you're planning a parish mission and looking for a speaker to help your parishioners grow in their relationship with the Holy Spirit, reach out. I know we'd love to hear from you. And finally, please take a moment to rate the podcast and leave a comment. I read them, and I'm encouraged greatly by your kindness and prayers. Have an intentional and impactful week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, You are powered for impact.